Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junity Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us again this week, where we take a deep dive into everything that was going on in the markets last week, the week coming up, uh, and talk about uh, key topics. Today, we're going to be talking about the fun, fun, fun topic of tax. Uh, believe it or not, we are heading into tax season 2021. I know mid-February already. I can't believe we've come this far. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, things we need to take into consideration, changes that happened in 2020, uh, and things that you might want to be able to take advantage of on your taxes uh, for this year, or for last year, I guess, and, and coming year as well. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, before we do that, as always, remember everything we talk about here is for educational purposes only. Uh, we try to keep everything as accurate as possible as possible, but things are constantly changing and always do your own due diligence or seek the advice of a professional before applying any strategies to your portfolios or your financial plan. With that, if you're watching us live here, you can ask questions, just click on that Q&A button. If you're listening to us on the podcast or watching the replay um, afterwards, uh, go to mikeonmoney.com. You can uh, send us in your questions or give us a call. Always happy to answer anyone's questions and help out any way we can uh, to, do, uh, to, to see how some of these things might fit into your portfolio. So with that, let's jump into what's going on out there. Uh, we're still looking for some numbers out of, the, um, out of the US on the small business optimism for January. We were hoping to have those last week, actually. Uh, but we, did, we have not got them. Uh, actually starting to see a little bit of pessimism sorry, uh, coming uh, through on that front uh, as people are a little bit more concerned about uh, the shape of the economy. Uh, I'll discuss that in more details. Um, we're also looking at the job opening and labor uh, turnover for December and the agricultural supply demand estimates. Stock futures on Tuesday rose a bit. Uh, you know, they steadily been notching to record highs but very, very small increments. Uh, you know, S&P was up 0.5%. Uh, and down 0.7%. Uh, uh, both benchmarks kind of hit an all-time highs before we went into the long weekend and President's Day uh, and NASDAQ moving just 0.4%. Google, uh, Google partners are bracing for a big uh, hit uh, potentially as Google is looking at, or threatening, I should say, to exit Australia. Um, this is over a proposed content licensing law that would uh, ripple across the industry, satellite partners like Apple uh, with uh, revenue gaps where they use Google's analytics uh, and, and uh, several, several other of the big advertisers in the country. So we'll keep an eye on that. Of, of course, on the tech front, there's been a lot of fighting going around globally when it comes to antitrust uh, licensing and, um, and kind of partner data sharing. Uh, in fact, Apple has one going on in the U.S., which we talked about last week. Moderna uh, has shored up its supplies for its COVID-19 vaccine ingredients. Uh, so we've seen that around the world and here in Canada where the supply chain there was interrupted. Uh, looks like they've got that a bit under control. Hopefully, uh, we'll see, um, hopefully we'll see uh, 
that the numbers pick up. Uh, I know BC, we have a slide in here to talk about it. Uh, BC, we are hopefully going to get back on track uh, with the rollout plan. Global fuel prices jumped in Asia and the US as the uh, as we revved up demand. We're going to talk more about the, the oil prices. Uh, we did break through $60 briefly, uh, holding just below 60, around 59 and a half, uh, which is a big move from last year. Not so much on uh, demand, but uh, just people trying to stay warm as uh, most the the US and the world actually saw the Acropolis in Greece was covered in snow uh, today. And of course, here in, in North Van, uh, or sorry, Vancouver, uh, we had our own snowfall last week, a family day weekend here. And uh, I know my dogs uh, quite enjoyed the snow, the snow fun out in the yard. So uh, everyone trying to stay warm, uh, which is using fossil fuels. Uh, sorry. There we go. Uh, lower income households, a dim US consumer sentiment. So, I mean, basically this goes to consumer sentiment. I, I talked about the small business sentiment we're waiting for, but the consumer sentiment is, is has fallen a bit. There's a bit more pessimism out there uh, growing among the, small, the households that have annual incomes below 75,000. Uh, not a surprise. This is actually something we've talked about, the, the kind of disjointed, especially in the US, kind of the disjointed um, I'm not necessarily to call it classes, but you know, there's a big part of the U.S. economy which is, uh, you know, that below seventy-five thousand uh, annual income, mostly mostly hourly workers. They don't have the health plans, uh, they don't have the sick leave protections, and all these uh, different areas that um, those above have. Uh, and those are the ones that have really suffered through this pandemic. You know, those are the jobs that have been lost. They're the ones that haven't come back as, as much. Uh, and as I mentioned, if, if they do get ill or if they are exposed, a lot of them don't have healthcare protection. So uh, we're starting to now see that, that, that divergence between those two uh, sentiment is, is start to uh, start to wane there. Uh, also with the new stimulus package, obviously didn't come as quick, uh, maybe not exactly what they were hoping for in the US. Um, and some limitations that they're putting on there, uh, especially for households below 75,000 in income. So we're gonna keep a track on that. Uh, the health of the US economy needs this part of the economy working, and that's gonna be the big job ahead for the US is to re-stimulate that part of the economy because the, the higher income earners um, have pretty much bounced back uh, through this pandemic, but it's, it's, it's that, that bottom part uh, which are that lower part, which is actually much larger. There's a lot more people that are living in that area uh, or that, that, uh, that's that income level than, uh, than those above. Uh, the U.S. says it's back to the table to help uh, global economic recovery. So uh, this is a change of administration, obviously, uh, with Biden's presidency, uh, focusing on international uh, relationships and, and trying to get that restarted and, and, and move it on again. Uh, the Fed is eyeing some trouble in commercial real estate in the U.S. Uh, they, they do these uh, corporate debt or stress tests on banks uh, regularly. We do them up here in Canada. Uh, and, and what they're looking at is some potential problems around uh, commercial real estate, over-leveraged commercial real estate. Uh, so that's uh, a lot of debt. Uh, and of course, the, the income. So, that, you know, a lot of 
rents not being paid, uh, you know, can rack up that debt further, the debt's not being covered. So uh, they have a lot of concern around that. Uh, again, that would be a big hit to the US economy if that stress test were to fail. So uh, we'll keep closer eyes on those as, as we move through that as well. Investors eye uh, shares of hotels and crew lines, cruise lines as you know, the idea of US vacationing is picking up. Uh, so, I mean, this goes back to last March, obviously when the pandemic hit or the closures hit, um, everything was hit hard, but most of the market has bounced back. Uh, cruise lines and hotels and even airlines have bounced back off their bottom, obviously not back to the, the, the highs or the pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and we're starting to see some shareholders move in uh, early stages. Uh, I do think there's probably some opportunity for hotels there. Um, you know, it will start to come back. Uh, people will probably start to travel more locally. Uh, you know, the idea of conferences, businesses start to spend money again. Um, cruise lines, that one, you know, I think, I think, you know, I'd love to hear from you guys on this. Obviously, this is really going to come to consumer confidence. Most people I talk to uh, are not really super excited about jumping onto a cruise again after what happened. Uh, I, I often kind of mention, like, can you imagine being the um, being the person who convinced your partner to to save a bit of money and take an interior cabin on the cruises and been stuck stuck for two weeks or longer in an interior cabin, not being able to leave your room, um, you know, versus spending the money for for a balcony. But obviously, there are some concerns. They did try to do some test cruises in late uh, 2020 uh, overseas. There was one out of Japan, I believe, and another one in Europe, uh, where they were running at half capacity with all the extra measures to for, for cleaning and, and, and distancing and mask wearing and all these things. And both of them had an outbreak. So, uh, so when it comes to the cruise lines, I'm still a bit concerned about investing. Uh, same goes for airlines. I still think there's a lot of repair to be done there. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how much um, business travel comes back. Uh, I mean, obviously it's going to come back some, uh, but through the pandemic with people shifting to the video conferencing, the Zoom type uh, and Google Meet type um, of softwares or technology, uh, you know, is it going to come back to those same levels? Uh, that's going to be uh, tough to see anyway, or, or take some time. And then again, how much are people going to have the confidence to jump on a plane uh, and go travel somewhere? So those are kind of, those are areas that uh, the market is starting to focus on. I personally, if uh, you want to play that area, would focus more on the hotels. I think they have a broader uh, a broader recovery uh, opportunity than the uh, than the cruise lines certainly. And even the airlines concern me a bit still. So BC here, the vaccine rollout, uh, as of course we've talked about for the last few weeks, it's been off to a rocky, rocky start. Um, you know, uh, we, we have more vaccines coming in this month uh, and, and they're hoping to kind of get through phase one um, by the beginning of March here. Uh, and that's gonna be, you know, all the senior homes, the uh, medical professionals, those working with people in care homes or those um, uh, the staff that uh, take care of seniors or higher risk people um, and, and those over age 80 uh, and indigenous seniors over 65. After that, you know, the focus is going to be on the, the general population. So moving that age group down, uh, of course, that's really going to start to push 
in April through the fall of 2021. Um, hopefully that's where we see things really pick up. Uh, we've seen other countries take advantage of max vaccine sites. Uh, hopefully we, we which seems to have worked. So, so maybe BC is going to move to something along that. Uh, and we are expecting a bunch more, uh, or 16,000 more Moderna and 6,500 more Pfizer doses. Uh, and also that Johnson & Johnson one's in there for approval. Uh, if that one gets approved, the really interesting one about the, the Johnson & Johnson, uh, of course, it's one shot as opposed to um, the two shot um, that you get from Pfizer and Moderna, uh, which would speed things up. Uh, the effectiveness of that one from the reports I read is lower, but it might be one that they focus on the younger, lower risk groups uh, where um, you know, they would still get the vaccine, they would still be protected enough to the same uh, levels, but enough that we can bring the numbers down and hopefully reopen some of the parts of the economy. I do have a question in Hub about Bitcoin. Yes, I am going to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, it's hard not to talk about it this, these days, but I'll get to it in just a second. Uh, coming up in the U.S., a big box uh, retailer Walmart is going to be reporting. Uh, the, uh, and of course, we're expecting some good numbers. Pretty much all the um, the retailers, the big box retailers, have seen pretty good numbers. They've managed to stay open. You know, that's a bit of big controversy, uh, not just here in Canada, but but also parts of the U.S. Uh, where the big boxes stayed open, such as your Walmart and, and, and Costco's, and you go in there and there's no social distance in, it's packed to the, to the river, you know, door to door. Uh, meanwhile, you know, your little local uh, owned and run shops where, you know, they're limited three people at a time and uh, everyone's wearing masks and, you know, they're taking all the extra pro uh, protocols. Uh, you know, they've been asked to close, especially areas in, in Ontario. So. I mean, obviously, um, hopefully we're coming out of this and we can see those reopen again. Uh, but we expect the, the numbers at Walmart to be strong. Probably going to see some higher costs uh, as they have incurred, you know, more cleaning, you know, the plexi, uh, the, you know, the mask, uh, extra staff uh, and, and the likes. So it's pretty much been a theme we've seen through the retail, uh, retail market. The, uh, the Federal Open Market Committee is going to be meeting on Wednesday and they're going to release their minutes from their uh, January 2021 policy meeting. Uh, so this is, of course, you know, we have the new government in the U.S. The Fed Reserve came out and kept interest rates at near zero. Uh, we don't expect a big change from the Open Market Committee, but it'll be interesting to see if there's any change in, in, in tone, um, you know, as to uh, how they're going to approach things, uh, if there's any new ideas. Uh, and then they'll be working really closely with the Fed as well. The Commerce Department on Wednesday is expected to show retail sales. Looks like we'll see a slight rise for January after we saw a fall in, in December, um, but just a slight, a, a slight uptick. Um, we are seeing some production numbers rise in January, which means obviously there was a little bit extra spend in there, uh, but. That being said, uh, we're still seeing definitely a plateau in those fronts. Uh, on top news in the US as well, Google's uh, struck a $76 million deal with a French publisher, uh, which is kind of leaving a lot of outlets uh, infuriated. This was a, um, a French uh, news publisher who uh, had a year long spat over copyright with Google uh, and the parent company Alphabet. 
uh, Google decide to pay to make that go away, but then you know all the other publishers are kind of uh, we've been treated unfairly. They got paid, we didn't. Uh, so I expect that will continue some back and forth. Uh, Amazon is suing the New York Attorney General to preempt the COVID-19 lawsuit. Uh, so this goes way back to the beginning. Uh, if you followed it, I don't think we covered it in these back in March and April. Uh, but a, uh, an employee of Amazon named Christian Smalls, uh, an activist working towards uh, fair treatment of the employees at Amazon, uh, was working on potentially uh, unionizing uh, some of the warehouses, uh, and they fired him. You know, they had their whole, you know, their side of the story, they had reasons. Uh, his side of the story is that it was just to uh, quiet him. Uh, and uh, so there was this case pending in New York uh, that they were going to go after Amazon for that, um, for that firing. Uh, and and uh, now Amazon suing them to preempt it and present the facts before it kind of gets out to the public. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, the White House is saying uh, no intentions to require COVID-19 tests for the domestic flights. So if you've been following this, uh, for international flights, Canada's done the same, uh, UK's done the same, most countries are requiring a, a PCR test um, within three days of your flight uh, in order to fly in or out of the countries. Uh, so this is, is you know, an added you know, step or added burden if you're going to travel internationally. Uh, especially because there's a lot of confusion over the types of tests. Uh, it is that PCR test uh, that, that you would do here in Canada. It's, it's not anybody's test. It's not the fast test. Um, and, uh, and, and if you're out of the country, where do you get these? And can they turn them around fast enough? Uh, and even if you want to leave the country, because uh, I know uh, we've got some friends who kids, who kids go to school in the UK, They've got to get it for their flight. Uh, Life Labs here in BC are doing the test, but they're not guaranteeing the 24-hour turnaround. Uh, of course, with the time difference, they have to have it within three days by the time they land, and you lose almost a day going over to the UK. So um, this has been a challenge. So the White House, or sorry, not the White House, some of the airlines and some of the states, uh, there was tossing around the idea. Also here in Canada, the idea we tossed around a bit of requiring the same test for domestic flights. Uh, so the White House is saying they're not going to do that. Well, that's good news if you need to travel domestically because as I mentioned, all those challenges of trying to get a test, uh, get the results, have the right, make sure you have the right test and get on the plane, um, you know, within the, the time limit that you have uh, is difficult. So, uh, so that's good news for anyone who has to fly domestically. Uh, especially if it's for work or, uh, or see family, which is what we're seeing a lot of these days. Uh, UK Supreme Court is uh, to rule on workers' rights in case of Uber on February 19th. So this is the same thing we saw down in California. Uh, so there was this push to introduce laws that would protect um, contract workers, or they're currently, and Uber is being kind of held up as the, the, the poster child of the case um, sample case for this but this is kind of just the contract work environment where people uh are signing up and doing work you know on piece a contract piece work just like an uber driver there's lyft drivers there's other industries as well um whether it be the food deliveries uh, or others um so the, the the problem there is those workers you know they don't get sick leave 
they don't get any employment uh, benefits. Uh, they don't qualify for EI. They don't, you know, they don't qualify for anything you would as a normal employee. So in California, we saw this this law being pushed to classify them as employees, and it was back and forth. And Uber and Lyft were basically going to shut down in California if it happened because uh, they said they couldn't afford to do that. Uh, that's still going back and forth, uh, and now it's over in the UK. So that's kind of where that case stands. Uh, we're expecting to see a ruling from the UK court. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how these cases unfold because, you know, this whole economy, uh, a contract economy, uh, has been growing dramatically for the last five years, certainly probably longer, uh, to, to a significant size. Uh, and if all of a sudden we had to shift to a, a much different model, uh, for good or bad, I'm not expressed an opinion there, but it would cause a big disruption in those in those models and, and how they would contend with that. I'll just to add to that as well. Uh, some of the employees uh, don't want that, or some of the contract workers don't want it, and that's what's, what's been going on in California. Is there's actually been a pushback by some of the employees. Obviously, some want it, some don't. Um, so uh, that's going to be the back and forth we're going to watch. Uh, CMHC, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, is expected to report its housing search for January uh, after showing a slight decline in December. Uh, you'll be interested to see the numbers because, uh, of course, the uh, housing market or the real estate market in Canada uh, has set another new high for January, um, but the volumes are very, very low. Prices are staying high, money to borrow is super cheap, uh, but the volumes are very, very low. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, the new starts are. I've talked to a lot of developers across Canada and they seem to be going uh, full speed. So um, we'll have to see how those numbers are. Now, Air Canada's uh, announced that they're having some encouraging talks with the government on AIDS talks uh, after they uh, reported the $4.6 billion loss in 2020 after a profit of 1.48 billion in 2019. Uh, so this is the back and forth we've seen here in, in Canada about uh, subsidies for the airline industries uh, from the governments. Uh, there's been a lot of pushback um, on the, uh, the the refunds of passengers' flights. So this goes all the way back to March 2020. You know, and everything shut down. Everyone had to cancel all their trips for 2020. Uh, and the airlines, not just Air Canada, but a lot of the airlines, uh, you know, didn't refund right away. Uh, some people I know are still waiting for refunds. Uh, and sometimes it wasn't a refund, it was a credit that would uh, potentially expire. Uh, now they've extended some of those to not expire, but they're still not a refund, they're just credits. Uh, and uh, the government has been pushing to say no, if they want to have any sort of um, uh, government aid, they have to give those refunds. And there's been this push back and forth between the airlines and the government. So we'll see how that plays out as well. Uh, Enbridge, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they, the, well, the pipeline uh, is raises his line three replacement cost estimate by about a billion dollars. So this is the Enbridge's um, uh, pipeline, uh, line number three, which uh, they've been working on a, a replacement project uh, to bring up to date. Uh, and uh, they've run into uh, regulatory challenges permit delays, of course, all the different things that are going on with the pipelines. <clears throat> and of course, winter, <clears throat> excuse me, winter construction <clears throat> and COVID-19 um, protocols. <clears throat> Sorry, that tickle. 
Uh, so uh, with all those things, they added a billion dollars to the to the cost of that overrun. Sounds like my renovation. Everything costs way more than you expect. Uh, Canadian regulators are a clear launch for the world's first Bitcoin ETF. So here we're going to talk about Bitcoin. So can't avoid it. So uh, so if you want to buy Bitcoin, if you want to buy it in the past, any cryptocurrency for that matter, you had to go to one of the the the, the crypto exchange apps or sites uh, and buy there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, the big challenge there is which one do you use? There have been some frauds. There have been some coins gone missing uh, or people uh, locked out of, of, of uh, where they, you know, the wallets that they hold them on. So uh, <clears throat> we've just cleared an ETF, an exchange traded fund, which is a Bitcoin fund that you can buy on the stock exchange. Uh, so that's new out of the gate. Uh, and that sparked an explosion and more trading interest. So this, uh, if, if you haven't yet, if you have an interest in Bitcoin, I did do a whole video on it. Uh, just reach out to us or, or go to michaelmoney.com. You can find the links on our YouTube channel uh, or just reach out to us. We'll send it to you, uh, which talks about the, you know, a bit of the challenge and what's driving the price right now. The biggest challenge is just supply and demand. So we're having extra, you know, more and more interest. Of course, we talked about last week where Tesla uh, bought 1.5 billion uh, of Bitcoin where they want to, uh, you know, start um, or, or sorry, they've kind of alluded to that they want to allow people to buy with Bitcoin. And we've seen other uh, companies uh, like Apple uh, start talking about the possibility. We mentioned before, uh, Facebook on their marketplace is talking about coming out with their own cryptocurrency called Libra, where you'd be able to buy things. So more and more cryptocurrency is moving into the forefront. And uh, Bitcoin's kind of the poster child for all this, uh, being one of the larger ones. Now, there is a, a very limited supply to, uh, of, of, of Bitcoin out there. And of course, you know, people buying this ETF means more and more Bitcoin has to be bought on the open market. So you have this big demand and limited supply that's driving up the price. The big challenge that we're, we're, we're eventually going to come to here uh, as more and more people talk about uh, using cryptocurrencies. And even the Canadian uh, government came out last week talking about uh, you know, cryptocurrency or Bitcoins, you know, it's going to offer challenges because it's unregulated, which is the appeal of it. But from a governmental standpoint, not being able to tax it, you know, have sales tax, uh, capital gains, uh, money laundering, tracking, you know, all these different things that, you know, our financial system is based on uh, for, for governments to allow cryptocurrency to become mainstream will be very difficult. I'm not saying it's not possible. Uh, it's just very, very difficult without some sort of regulations or some sort of monitoring. But then, then you start to defeat the purpose of crypto. Uh, and then also on top of that, as I mentioned, you know, you've got Apple talking about their own crypto. Bitcoin, obviously very popular out there. I'm not gonna get into Dogecoin if you follow that story. Uh, you know, I mentioned Facebook's Libra, you know, other countries, central banks are talking about having their own cryptocurrencies. You know, so at what point now have you diluted it down to, uh, you know, having to exchange between all these differences to buy something? Um, you know, it's not like you have one currency you can buy from in that country. So a lot of challenges around it. 
Uh, it did break through 50,000 US today, down below that again, just around 49 and change last I looked. Um, obviously, the ETF has been driving it, uh, or ETFs and other investments like that have been driving up the demand. Uh, it's a difficult one to get around to have in a portfolio. Uh, at least with the ETF now, you have a bit more liquidity uh, and access to it. But you know the underlying challenges remain, and we still see massive swings in the uh, in, in the in the, uh, in the pricing of this. Uh, you know, as much as it moves up very quickly, it moves down very quickly as well. So that's kind of the update on Bitcoin. Of course, we're continuing to follow it, and, and anything we see more news coming out of the cryptos, we'll stay on top of that as well. Uh, flight simulator uh, CAE's profits uh, was half due to the pandemic weighs uh, on their demand. So CAE, great company. Uh, we've had it in the portfolio in the past. Uh, we've done really well with it recently. Uh, we moved out of it uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, after having a, a great run with it. Um, the, the price is holding in there, but they did see a drop in the third quarter profits on this, this simulator demand. So this is the flight training, uh, obviously with um, less flights happening. Uh, the simulator is, is required less for training pilots. Uh, we might see, though, that pick up a little bit uh, as, as the uh, the 737 MAX 8 gets back into uh, gets back into the air. Of course, the pilots will have to refresh themselves on that, and of course, all the new protocols around you know the, the safety of that. So uh, we'll see uh, we'll see how CA performs over the next little bit here. On the U.S. dollar front, uh, again, a little bit of slipping as as global recovery hopes drives investors away. Um, uh, same trend we've been seeing for the last year, probably going to continue there. We did see a big move on the pound, uh, the pound sterling, uh, as the vaccine rollout uh, has been going well, and also with uh, the Brexit uh, moving along, uh, or at least slowly moving along uh, as, uh, as they work their way through those, those issues uh, on that front. The Fed continues to signal their monetary policy will remain uh, common. Uh, to keep inflation uh, at, at bay without raising interest rates for as long as possible. Uh, so we'll keep a close eye on that to see if they can keep uh, inflation uh, slow enough that they don't have to raise interest rates. Bitcoin, as I mentioned, uh, broke through uh, 50,000 US. Uh, last uh, we saw the uptake was 49,000, just over 49,000. On the, uh, on the uh, Commodity front, as I mentioned, oil saw a good rise uh, over $60 a barrel, uh, mostly on the demands for the cold weather front that we've seen a sweep across the, well, the world, as you say, the US, but we've seen it right across the world. Uh, and that, uh, that doesn't so look like it's going to slow down over the next couple of weeks. So let's jump into taxation. Now, there's a lot to talk about taxation. I'm going to cover some high level stuff, especially on the corporate fronts. There's a lot of changes on the corporate. Some, some minor, or, or I should say clarifications, especially if the corporation took advantage of some of the um, government um, assistance over this last year. Uh, if you want more details on that, I have like a 70 page package I can send out, um, but I'm gonna talk, talk pretty high level uh, on, on a few different things. So uh, just some you know, personal, uh, personal tax update. So the exemptions uh, here in BC, personal income exemption, for 2020, it's just shy of 11,000, uh, 10,978, I think it is. Um, 
So that, you know, that moves up with inflation. Um, also, you know, a big update, if you did work from home over this in 2020, uh, you know, traditionally you would need a special form of T2200 from your uh, employer, uh, or if you were self-employed, uh, you would have access to deducted work at home costs, uh, but employees did not. Uh, there was a change last year. Uh, if you worked for four weeks or longer from home in 2020, then uh, you have a couple of options. One, uh, there's a, a flat up maximum of $400, $2 for every day uh, you work from home that you can deduct against, uh, against your income. Uh, and then if there's two of you working from home, you can both deduct that. Uh, so, uh, so that's just a flat 400. Uh, no complications. You don't have to, you know, have uh, detailed receipts or anything like that. If you uh, if you felt if you worked longer than four weeks at home and you had some higher costs over the four hundred, uh, you can ask your employer to provide you with a it's a modified T twenty two hundred specifically for working from home. So the twenty two hundred uh, is usually for commission salespeople, where you can deduct uh, you know business expenses included in working from home. This is a modified, a shorter version uh, that would allow you to deduct costs at home. Uh, on the $400 uh, max, a simple one, you don't have to calculate square foot. You know, it's just that $2 per day. Uh, if you're gonna do the detailed uh, or the T2200, uh, well, now you can deduct, the, you have to measure your office space. So how much space did you use for your, for your work? Uh, and whatever percentage of the total square footage of your of your place, uh, that's what you can deduct from things like uh, your home internet, heat, uh, certain office supplies, um, you know, uh, rent. If you're renting, you can do it off the rent. Uh, if you're if you're in a home that you have a mortgage on, uh, you cannot on the modified T twenty two hundred. You cannot uh, deduct interest on the mortgage. Um, you can if you're self-employed, but not if you're an employee on, on this modified T2200. If you're self-employed with the full 2200, you can, you can take, the, uh, take the interest. So there's a lot, uh, you know, basically all those different percent, you know, that percentage of space, you can deduct, um, you know, uh, homeowner's insurance uh, if you own the home, not if you're renting. Um, you know, basically, oh, uh, taxes, uh, pretty much anything you're, you're, you're spending on the home uh, for that percentage of the space that you're using, right? So that office space uh, that you'll have to um, you'll have to detail. So keep that in mind. Uh, so that's brand new for for uh, for 2020 tax year. You can take advantage of that. Uh, they also introduced in 2020 a training tax credit. So this is uh, up to $250 a year or 5,000 lifetime. You can apply for uh, education. Right, so if you're, uh, this is designed for mature education, so if you have to take courses, uh, go back to school, whatever it might be, uh, you know, you can definitely take take advantage of those as well uh, for for 2020. Uh, some important deadlines, of course, we have our normal um, uh, April 30th tax filing deadline. Our speed deadline is March 1st. So if you want to do any deductions, uh, you have till March 1st to do that. Uh, T-slips, uh, if you haven't received them, most people have them out by the end of February, but it is March 31st is the dead, or sort of the, the latest that can uh, be sent out. So, um, so just keep that, keep that in mind. 
Um, if you're a self-employed or, or you and your spouse are self-employed, um, then the deadline for filing is June 30th. Uh, now, talk a little bit about the CERB or the government relief stuff. Uh, obviously, a lot of controversy around this. If you did claim CERB uh, or any of the government relief packages, again, I'm going to park the corporate stuff on the side here because uh, it gets a bit more complicated. But if you uh, claimed any of that, uh, or you were on EI last year, uh, or maternity leave, uh, and you have extra tax due. So EI and maternity leave, the government did withhold some taxes, uh, probably not enough depending on your other income for that year. Uh, and if you were on CERB, um, they did not withhold any taxes. Uh, and in fact, a bunch of people kind of got it and um, you know, were not, you know, have now been determined to be uneligible. So there's some back and forth going on there. But basically what I want to touch on is if you do owe any taxes for any of those uh, assistance programs, uh, that tax is not due until uh, June, 2022, interest-free. So there's no penalty and no interest if you don't pay it right away. If you have normal taxes due April 30th, those are due. But if you have any taxes due due to those programs, uh, they're not due right away. If you did claim some of the uh, SERBs uh, and you've been deemed uneligible, uh, they are looking at some self-employed people because there was some, some miscommunication at the beginning of that that they're not going to demand it to be repaid, but it's still in kind of a back and forth uh, with, the, with CRA right now over that. So. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, if you're a corporation, uh, the, only thing I'll the only thing I'll touch on the corporation, if you received any of the benefits from uh, the, uh, the corporate uh, relief packages, whether it be rent subsidy, employee su uh, subsidy, uh, or the, the loans, uh, there's no part, part of the loans were forgivable, part, part of them were not. Um, those are taxable in the uh, the time period you qualified for, not necessarily when you received it. So for example, you could have applied in January, 2021 for some of those backdate into a period in 2020. Uh, even though you might receive the money in 2021, it is taxable for the period in which you claimed it. Um, so, so keep that in mind because you got to go back and, and, and make sure you, you do that. Uh, also for 2020, uh, if you're an employee and you receive certain uh, taxable benefits from your corporation, let's say your company pays for your parking, which normally be a, a taxable benefit, or maybe they gave you uh, a, a car subsidy or um, commuting subsidies, uh, which are normally tax, um, uh, taxable benefits. Uh, those are going to be waived. Uh, some of them, a lot of them will be waived for 2020. So uh, if you are getting any taxable benefits, uh, or sorry, benefits that are normally taxed as a taxable benefit, uh, keep in mind that those, uh, a lot of those are waived. So make sure you double check on the ones you have to uh, see if, if you qualify for those. Uh, also, a new, uh, of course, this rolled out pre-pandemic, BC introduced a new tax bracket uh, for those earning income over 220000 uh, a year. 
which bumps up like for the, the tax bracket to 50, the top tax bracket to 53.4, I think it is. Um, so, so that comes into effect, uh, fully in effect for, for 2020 um, that, uh, that we'll have to pay as well. Oh, uh, the, other, um, the other one is the benefit if you had caregiver uh, subsidies. Uh, so if you were deemed a caregiver for someone else and you were getting any subsidies, uh, you know, keep in mind, if you have to pay tax on any of that, uh, you have until 2022, uh, June 2022, at no interest uh, to pay tax. I already covered the changes at home uh, office deductions. If you are, in a, uh, again, if you are self-employed or incorporated, uh, you've always been able to do the, you know, the deductions from home. Um, and you're also allowed to, uh, as an employee, though you're not, even if you have a, a full 2200, uh, you're not able to uh, capital cost depreciate the, that percentage of your property. So uh, that's an extra tax deduction against the value of the home uh, overall. So you have to be self-employed to be able to take advantage of that. So uh, obviously, uh, these are just a highlight of a bunch of changes to look at for, uh, for 2020 taxation. Uh, if you have any specific questions about your situation, come visit us at mikeonmoney.com or give us a call. Happy to answer those questions. I just did a video over the weekend um, on flow-through shares and uh, how to use them for tax savings. Uh, so that should be out any day now. Also, uh, both podcasts and video. Uh, I was a kind of remembering, I actually did a flow uh, or a tax my last in-person um, speaking workshop that we did was March 5th, 2020. Uh, and that was uh, the last time I was talking to you all in public, uh, was on taxi. We talked about flow throughs. We talked about uh, gold uh, being uh, a good investment. And it obviously it turned into a great investment for 2020 uh, on top of the tax subsidies that they've got that. Uh, of course, if you follow me, I do like gold as an inflation hedge. Uh, so it would be another interesting one if you are looking for some, some additional tax uh, deductions. Uh, the flow-throughs are an interesting strategy. Um, be very cautious with them. This is definitely one you want to talk to an advisor or do some in-depth due diligence on uh, because they do carry different risks. There's holding periods. There's a change in, from the, uh, uh, deduction from your taxable income to turn into a capital gain. Uh, it, all kinds of things. So it's not something you just want to quickly do and say, like an RSP. You definitely uh, want to make sure you have a, a tax plan uh, before you uh, uh, jumped on those. But I did a video on that to so go check that out uh, in the coming days. And with that, I'll say thank you. Uh, if any of you have any questions or suggestions of topics that you'd like us to cover here, we always really appreciate those. Uh, as I mentioned, that Bitcoin one, if you're interested, you can go see that or listen to that podcast. Uh, we'll probably be doing an update in the coming weeks on Bitcoin, uh, just as more information is coming out. Really, really looking to see what the government's uh, commentaries are uh, and position are when it comes to the cryptocurrencies. So with that, I'll let you go enjoy your day uh, and hopefully we'll see you again here next week. Thank you.